Cowbell Apple Cider, aged on hibiscus, rosé. God, your drinks are so girly. Ass. I know. Yeah. You, know you know what? It's totally fine. That is not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too proud. Yeah. Drink. Good drinks are good drinks. I like uh, things that turn pink and have. Oh God, that's awful. <laughs> Oh. Perfect. You know how we've had this conversation about um, like sometimes a beer is good and you add hops and it gets better, and sometimes a beer is bad and you add more hops so that you can't tell. Yeah, I think this is one of the latter. Are we talking uh, like bone shaker bad or? Are we... No, it's not that bad. It's just it's just a little bit a little bit too much. Like it's it's not clear either. So it's, it's just, I think it's a style of beer and it's just not my, it's not my bag, man. Beers in general aren't my bag, man. I don't mind an occasional red or something on the light side, but, uh, I, I don't get, and I know that everybody's different and I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum, but I have a hard time understanding, especially the, the IPA crowd. Yeah. Like you, you do this cause you like it. Well, some of it, yes. Yeah, some of it's like a little bit of a uh, an acquired taste. Like I found, because the reason that I have this, and I'm I'm gonna you know show it again just so that you can avoid it. If you really like super hoppy IPAs, it's got lots of uh, like grapefruit sort of back end. But I literally just like licked my finger after dipping it in the foam and thought, ooh, that's that's hoppy. And I think that that is the point of the beer. Um, but it's 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 hoppy. I'll tell you what. Um, I found Cindy does. Uh, the reason that I showed the can is because Cindy goes shopping for me. I don't I don't buy my own beer. My wife goes to the store and buys it, and she buys it. She doesn't drink, mm-hmm. and she buys it based on the color. She's like, "Ooh, that's a nifty can," and she'll bring it home. And sometimes, like this is the funny thing, right? Like she'll bring me stuff that I wouldn't normally buy, and sometimes it's, it's not super great. I don't love it. And sometimes it's like, ooh, that's something I wouldn't have tried, and I love it. Uh, the other day I had a, a thing called a sandbagger, which is a grapefruit, citrus, soda, seltzer, something. Like I wouldn't even have looked at it, and it was delicious. But so, not like a like a rattler. Um, similar in concept, but more like a, a grapefruit seltzer. So it tasted. Um, and I have I have this stuff. This is this is um, number two, which is in theory cream soda, but really what it is is vodka with water and bubbles. But it's vodka mixed down to the point where you can't really tell that it's vodka, so it really just tastes like plain soda water. And it was like that. It was it was like soda water with a grapefruit flavor that was just punchy enough. And I don't I'm not really fond of grapefruit. Um, and it was just punchy enough to overcome the, this is bubbly water flavor. It was really nice. Well, my number two, uh, I need to do some shopping is a summer's bee from, I think January, 2006, maybe February. No, it says 23 on it. So I'm, I'm hoping that's the year <laughs> it's, it's been in the fridge a while. Uh, we, uh, so Ian was down. Oh, uh, it must have. Been. Isn't that up? I mean, based on our maps. 
Yeah. Well, no, I don't think he was in California. He was in, in, uh, at home for a while and then he popped down and this is when we gave everybody COVID. Oh, um, we went to, uh, another coworker and friend, Aaron, uh, he's had a, a new house for a while and, and really we hadn't visited it very much like at all. He was still working on it and moving in the last time we'd looked at it and it was, maybe it was February. Um, he invited us all over for dinner cause Ian was going to be down instead of going out and we popped over and, uh, we were drinking Tanya and I ciders and, uh, she started feeling like crap there. And, uh, we'd left early because of it. She was fine, like all day up until that point. And like, she's an environment, uh, in an environment where she was masking all the time where, you know, we're all vaxxed up, but she started feeling like crap and we got home. It got worse. And I wrangled some tests the next morning and she tested positive. Fantastic. Yeah. It was like our first social engagement in two years. Oh. And it resulted in, in people getting COVID. So it kind of sucked. <laughs> but anyway, this cider's from then, whenever that was. Oh. This one was new. I bought this one last week. It's not very good. Oh, and the other one in, it just might be infected. So uh, what have you been up to? Well, I bought a house, um, you know, for far too much money and a scary amount of money. I, I say bought a house. I will be renting a house from the bank for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, so I'm excited about that. It's a lot more space. Um, nice neighborhood. Met the neighbors. Uh, he's from Newfoundland. He seems good. It's like... He's from Newfoundland, so he's super friendly. Uh, yeah. So that's the picture you that. sent over is a beautiful place. I'm jealous. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we grind away for 30 years, and then you buy the house of your dreams just in time to retire and die. Yep. So what's new with you? Didn't buy a house. Not much no? new with me. Uh, Tonya, actually, she's going through an interview process for a new job. That nice. sort of just kind of potentially landed in her lap. Um, I don't want to place any undue pressure on her. I mean, she she nails every interview she does, and people love her. That's why I married her. But <laughs> she she passed that interview. It's almost literally double her current salary for a job that would be quite comparable to what she's doing now. So that it works. would be pretty game changing. It makes a difference. Yeah. So she had uh, uh, an interview today. She's actually downstairs right now working on a, a questionnaire that they sent her that she needs to send back. And I'd say I was helping her with that, but really I was just sort of sitting there listening while she said things out loud and adjusted the things that she wanted to say. So I get to feel slightly useful. Good. <laughs> Doing I mean, all the hard work herself, though. That's hubby job, right? It's true. Just I mean, well, spouse job, I guess, you know, like cheerleading to make sure that, yeah, you're doing great. You're awesome. You're amazing. It's always true, mm. but it's, it's nice to say it. Yeah. I don't know. I really haven't told Tanya what we're doing with this thing yet. Like I know Cindy listened to, to our one show. Tanya knows we're doing something, but I haven't actually said, Hey honey, why don't you listen? <laughs> Here's a link. 
Uh, I'm holding off until we have a good show first. Oh, well, that may never happen. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I got to thinking about this the other day because I told I told somebody at work that we were doing a podcast. And I mean, this is the stupid thing, right? Like you watch you watch successful uh, people doing things on YouTube and they're all like, like, subscribe, hit the button, ring the bell do the thing and then they're like they're on instagram and tiktok and you twit face and all over the place (laughs) (laughs) right telling everybody about everything with links pointing everywhere and i'm like i didn't even tell them what it was called (laughs) i just said we're doing doing a podcast and like we have i think i said we had three subscribers and i think i lied because i think we have four yeah but i'm pretty sure one of them is you two of them are me oh okay Uh, uh, we do have, uh, I was looking at the metrics, uh, just for some of the, the, the actual podcasty stuff. And we do have a, a couple of my coworkers through some, some courtesy follows. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they'll be amused by some of it. Oh God. Um, I hope so. Otherwise it's just torturing them for fun. I, I mean that uh, I'm amused and that's the, I mean, that's the whole point of this thing is just for us to sit and chat. Right. But I got to, th- I get to thinking about just sort of looking back on how I felt about doing the first, uh, well, first three episodes, I guess this is technically episode four, although episode zero shall never be shown unless somebody sends us a substantial bribe. Mm-hmm. Um, but just thinking about how awkward it is to talk to a camera Right. Cause we, I mean, we'll have this conversation with the cameras off, just talking over discord or something. And then I don't feel any, any kind of pressure to not stutter or stumble or, you know, misplace a word or forget something. I don't think about, Oh my God, if I combed my beard today, you know, and then you turn the camera on and the microphone's running and we're recording and I'm thinking, Oh, I, I need to be entertaining now. Mm. You know, and I don't, I don't know, like as time goes on and we do a couple of more of them, I'm finding less and less of that, especially since like, you know, our subscribers aren't going to cross a million anytime soon. I have nobody to impress. <laughs> Even if they did. And I think that's the magic, you know, the piece in the, the people that I listen to podcasts, even YouTube channels, like what resonates with me is that they have a certain authenticity yeah. Like, you know, I used to be impressed by the people that had the big game and like, you know, it's always posing, right? Putting on a show, putting on an act, you know, from the time they hit record, it's the fake version of that individual. And as I've aged, that stuff doesn't, doesn't stick to me anymore. Yeah. You know, I, there's something to be said for production values, but I think there's a lot more to be said for uh, people who really care about what they're actually putting out there. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's, there's a, there, did I tell you about the, the guy that I saw on Reddit. That's just like the old man reads the comics. It's grandpa reads the comics, I think is what it's called. And it's just, yeah. it's literally a dude who sits down in a rocking chair in his kitchen with, with a newspaper. And he'll tell you what Marmaduke is doing today or, or Ziggy <laughs> or who, I don't know. It's been like 150 years since I read an actual newspaper. I don't know what comics are in the newspapers anymore, but that's what he does. And he had, I, I don't know, like 14 subscribers or something. And somebody posted it on Reddit and now he has over a hundred thousand, but it's like, I mean, like he deserves it, right? It's oh, not yeah. just, it's not just that it went on Reddit. It's like, this is something that he felt compelled to do and he nails it. Like he's good. 
it's just like there was nobody and then suddenly everybody noticed him you know that was and there's some lessons to be learned in that too right like this guy is just just doing his thing you know it's just doing his thing if you're into something there's probably other people that are into it too might take a while to find them or for them to find you you I did notice to... that a, a couple of our shorts have gotten like 400 and some views. Yeah. I mean, I think that's mostly empty calorie views just because that gets sort of force fed into stuff, but uh, that's fine. Eh. So I had an idea for today. Okay. Uh, this is a topic that really is. It's the whole reason I would want to like jump in front of a camera and talk to a nerdy person because like, I'm not faking it when I say this is the part of my life that I look back on fondly (laughs) because I'm having my second or third midlife crisis, right? And I'm thinking about the good old days. What kind of motorcycle are you buying? I'm not. See, the appropriate response would be I'm getting a light cycle. No. Anyway, uh, I want to turn this into the land party episode. You know, it is a significant oh, part hang on. of... I, my computer stopped working. I need to format and reinstall. Yeah. Significant part of our early relationship as friends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that little tight community that we were involved in for a few years really shaped and molded the kind of nerds we became for a while. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think it all needs a little context uh, because like nobody listening today under the age of 40 knows what a land party is, right? I'm not sure that anyone under the age of 40 who isn't specifically involved in IT would even know what a LAN is. <laughs> all right. So a land party is when all the nerds living in their mom's basement crowd into one of those nerds' mom's basements with ridiculous computers or consoles or whatever and game socially uh, in an age where like broadband internet was barely a thing. And, you know, you didn't just turn on your console and jump on discord and hang with your friends. Roger Wilco was new at that point. Like I think Roger Wilco came out after we started doing this. Do you remember I still have. I know it. you. You have the the. You know where I'm going with this. The, I do. Yeah. What was it? The the Microsoft Game uh, Voice side side wind? sidewinder Game Voice something came with like a Plantronics that. headset and it had that that circular puck. weird puck thing. <laughs> yep. I you know what? I don't have mine. Mine broke, but uh, we got one for Cindy as well. And I mean, she can't. She never used it because she hates headsets. Uh, well, I mean, that's not true. She used it a few times, but. I mean, she had the, I had the puck forever and I plugged different sets of headphones into it just cause it was a handy extension right before wireless happened. Yeah. I remember though. I remember, I remember, oh my God, I remember playing age of empires two and you had programmed all of the fricking commands in as voice commands. And you were sitting over in the corner of the room going build house, build house, build house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh 
<laughs> Nobody in the world understands why that's funny, but it is very, very funny. Oh, I mean, in a room full of six people who can barely socialize. <laughs> you're you're over in the corner and everybody's looking at you like, what are you doing? I, it wasn't any faster. I mean, you can click faster than you can say build house. And especially if you get them out of order because you're like, build, build house. Oh, no, that's a barracks. What do you, what, what's going on now? Oh, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got to back up. We got to go back way in history. We're talking 2000. Oh, maybe even earlier. Because I started. Well, we started I... working in a call center. I started in August 2000. You started in what? October. October. Yeah. Same year. Like two months later. Uh, so it was a call center that um, did support for Dell Canada. Uh, technical support. You know. Oh, my God. We're not supposed to say that. We signed a contract. Oh, yeah. 20. Did we? Three years ago. I think it's okay. <laughs> Anyway, the point is, is it's, it was an outsourced call center that didn't pay very well. So oh, a whole no. bunch of us nerds sort of lined up to work these barely more than minimum. Well, no, they were they were a bit more minimum wage at the time jobs in they an were... environment that just happened to bring some like minded individuals together. A lot of us worked night shifts, so uh, we started playing video games on work computers at night. What? No, we didn't. That never happened. <laughs> and it turned into, hey, why don't we all get together one night? And we actually went over to your place for the first official LAN party. It was like four or five of us. We brought our shitty computers. And I mean, it was a seed that turned into was, something was significant, you know? Something special. Was that the, Was that first night the night that we stayed up until dawn? Was oh, that, had, was that? No, I don't think it was because that would have been the one that like Terry and his wife was at. Yes. It was in Cindy's basement. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think like we went late. It was probably 3 a.m. or something like that. Um, I think my girlfriend was probably there, which is why it probably didn't. Didn't go super late, but it was remember. the start of something. Oh my God. One more game of age of empires. Holy shit. The sun's coming up. <laughs> and that's kind of how land parties went for us. Cause I think like we never had a land party that wasn't basically two days. Oh yeah. After that point. I, you know what? I don't even think I could do that anymore. Like I literally, I can't sit. I mean, I gave up EverQuest mostly because I can't really sit for that long period of time anymore. It hurts. Yeah. Well, you know what? We did pretty well. So I had a LAN party for my 40th birthday, which was admittedly a few years ago now. You're old. Uh, Just pre-pandemic. And uh, I want to say that, well, we stayed until we decided to go to breakfast the next morning. Yes. After playing some Catan, after we decided to to shut the video games down. And we started at like 10 a.m. So realistically, it was a good 20... Two twenty-three hours stretch before you had to drive like four hours to get home. Yeah, I took a nap on the way home. <laughs> Did you stop the car while you were doing it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I mean I was still pretty keyed up after that. It was a, it was a good night. I mean I had a bunch of fun, uh, a lot of caffeine. Did we actually? We went to Denny's for breakfast, we did. right? Yeah. Did we actually get Joe into Denny's? Yeah. I think okay. Because. So. 
I couldn't remember because I knew I know that there was, or was that the time that we had to go somewhere else for breakfast? No, I think you and I went to the North Way once when you were down too, but I don't know if that was no. then. No, I think you, Joe, and I went to Denny's for sure. Anyway, tangent. Yeah, yeah. So getting back to the context, we worked in this call center, which didn't pay well. None of us had much money. We had shitty computers at best when we started with, but that this land party started what could only be described as an arms race. Oh my god! Of shitty technology, and uh, yeah. okay, some of us were into like let's get better video cards, but like it was a series of like completely illogical one-upsmanship. I'm going to ignore the, the the high-end hardware for a second and just talk about like land party gear and monitors. Oh my god! Oh yes. So. Back in, in, in 2000, what would be considered a standard monitor would obviously be a CRT, you know, old picture tube style monitor, probably around 17 inches. If you really did well, you might get a 19 inch. And like our first LAN parties, I had, a, I think, a 15 inch display at. I was going to say right? 15 was kind of standard. 17 was the upgrade and 19 was what the rich kids had. But our... Uh, our situation in the call center led to us back channeling deals with the Dell financial services, like leased uh, or refurb monitors. Half of them were like cracked and barely working, but they were like 21.5 inch Trinitron monitors, Dell branded that weighed 95 pounds. Big. Now, most of us were driving shitty little cars like i was driving a fucking sundance and then a cavalier i had a mazda 323 that was barely it was held together with expanding foam and your little honda oh my god i blew that yeah with the blown head gasket that i then drove for about another 1200 kilometers yep yeah and most of us would like drive to random host's house, right? Everybody would say, hey, this is my, my turn. I'm going to host this one. We're going to plan it. So everybody's cramming into these tiny little apartments. And this is why it was so illogical. We get these big monitors that like take up a full seat in the car just to get them in. Oh, we and didn't usually, like two or <laughs> Well, some people did. Like I usually had at least one other person with me. Some of us didn't and, have cars. Yeah. And then you and I invested in those folding black card tables. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Trying, I still, like, have, trying to go I still have two of those. Yeah. Mine all fell apart years ago. Got rid of them. But, uh, and then you and I got into the, the, I don't think we ever spoke about it, but the tower race. Now, normally for oh. land parties, <laughs> normally, wants... <laughs> normally for land parties, you look to downsize, right? Portability. Oh, yeah. uh, I eventually got into like the aluminum first Antec Landboy thing, but for a while there, you and I got into massive, like not full towers, but like full server tower cases, yep. cases that when empty would weigh about 30 pounds a piece. They were cold rolled steel, like 18, 16 or 17 gauge or something like that. Like I could put that in the back of my car put my monitor in the back of the car and the suspension in my Cavalier would just sink to the point where like, uh, yeah, 
This uh, is my Antec Land Boy. Or that's a Land Boy Two, is it not? I think so. It's not the original Land Boy. No. No, it's actually got kind of a brick for a video card too. I don't remember what's in there. It hasn't actually been turned on for about six years, but I still have it. Oh, <laughs> uh, the reason that I can actually reach everything when you know Shane says, "Hey, do you remember this?" and I'm like, "Ooh, it's right here," is because literally this is this is my world. Like, you, you, everything that I own is on camera right now. Oh, that's funny. The only reason I'm buying a house, I have too much stuff for this tiny little apartment. <laughs> yeah, but I remember this. Oh my god, I remember trying to cut fan holes in the side of the thing with like rudimentary dollar store hand tools, like a hacksaw that blade that I didn't have an actual hacksaw to go into, and I took the side off and I drilled a hole, which took forever because my drill bits were made out of cheese. And so then I don't know if hacksaw blade with. Between two hands, just trying to cut a circle, and oh man! I don't know if you remember the the two big towers that I ran for a while. Both of them were old AT machines that I'd gutted, so they didn't even have like momentary press power switches. They had like kachunk <laughs> in out. One of them still had a turbo button that I, I used as a reset say, button. Yeah, yeah. Remember, I ended the turbo up like button. when I wanted to be really cool because again, like none of us could afford you know, cool shit. So we tried our best oh, and I like so bought some, some like automotive spray bomb shit <laughs> and did my first case mod. I painted this all thing like a, a, a smoky gray and black. Like it was, I might as well have used a paint roller for as well as it actually <laughs> turned out, but it was awesome at the time. And then of course I get this like monolith chassis, right? This massive beast painted black and, and gray and then we didn't have RGB lighting back at that point in time. So you either had something that was like white, something that was blue, or in my case, something that was yes. <laughs> Do you remember, I don't even remember what, what brand they were. We used to get them at Canada Computers where it was like four tone, like green, blue, but it didn't like change colors. It was just like 12 yeah. o'clock on the fan is this color. <laughs> four o'clock is this color. I remember those. I remember oh, buying a thing. So terrible! I was so excited about this this uh, UV light that I was going to put in my computer. Um, I didn't. I don't even remember if I had a window in the damn case. But it it was like this tube. It wasn't like flexible. It wasn't LEDs. It was this tube of hardened glass. And I'm like, like if I cold, drop cold this cathode shit, yeah, yeah. And if I drop I, this thing, it's gonna it's gonna kill. Th and you hold it into your case with Velcro. I got like, it. My not safe. I made my first one out of a scanner. <laughs> the bulb out of a scanner. Oh, yeah. Necessity is the mother of invention. But you know what? We probably shouldn't have done any of that. Imagine if we, had to, if we took all of that money and invested it in, oh, I don't know, bitcoins, which were 12 or 13 cents at the time. <sighs> or not even invented yet. Not even invented yet. This was back when you'd, you know, tie an onion to your belt. Which was the style at the time. <laughs> Give me five bees for a quarter, we'd say. Uh, okay, we could, you know, talk random shit about land parties for, for a while here, but let's try and get a little bit more focused. So I'm oh going to ask God. you some questions. Okay. What would be some of your favorite land party stories? Let's go for two. 
Oh my god! Stuck in your head forever. I went to a land party one time. Well, okay, I narrowing it down to two is tough. I'll give you three if it matters. Ah, it might. So I think the the funniest thing because every all right. Every single LAN party that you went to, someone had to reinstall. I mean, this was like Windows 95, 98 days when we started. Windows wasn't exactly stable at the time. I mean, it was literally in their internal documentation. Format and reinstall once a year because it won't last any longer than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we were doing stupid, stupid things. Install this, uninstall that, do whatever. So there's always somebody who had to format and reinstall. And sometimes it was just the first thing you did. Computer's not working quite right format reinstall and i remember coming to a LAN party and everything was fine i had done a fresh install that morning and i and i get there and nothing works nothing it 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 won't post it would like no beeps no lights no fans no nothing so you know being you know troubleshooting techs that we are i'm taking things apart unplugging things and seeing what happens and everything is Nothing makes any difference. And then you reach into the case and go, we should reseat the Molex cable. And for those of you who are under the age of 40, and those of you who are over the age of 40 who just don't care about this shit, Molex cable is a thing that used to carry CD audio from your CD player in your computer to a speaker. To the it does nothing. Card. It's Yeah, to your sound card. Yeah, And it, it does nothing. Like, it's, it's literally speaker wire. It goes from, like, Positive and negative to positive and negative. That's it. It does nothing. It should mean nothing. And you went, this is the only thing you haven't done. You should reseat the Molex cable. Boop, boop. And then the thing worked. Why? And and, and to I don't know. Just to clarify, he'd pulled this machine apart. <laughs> it was like, in bits. Gutted it. Like, not just, you know, let me reseat all the cards. Not, you know, check my power connectors. He'd put it all apart. CPU separated from the motherboard. Everything sort of cleaned up. Rebuilt it several times at this point. Did you receipt that? No. Kachunk. And it Boop. worked. This is this yep. is the this is the root of my belief that computers are highly illogical machines. Oh man. <sighs> yeah, so that was a good one. There was I, I have I, I have a, a it's not a, exactly a favorite, but it still sort of makes me chuckle. You tried to make a business out of running a land parties for about eight seconds. And I remember that you rented a hall somewhere near the waterfront and you're like, you put out, you know, big land party prizes, things you had lined up sponsors, you had stickers and prizes to give away. And two kids from Toronto showed up and they showed up because they were trying to sell things. And I forget, like they had, they had like energy drinks and t-shirts and crazy shit and we sat there i remember getting a text from you please god come now please come now because it was just you and them so and they were anti-social as hell we need to 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 complete this picture a little bit because it it sounds way more pathetic than it actually is (laughs) i don't i i don't know so we're talking 2006 ish and at this time, like where when we started all this, we all worked together for the same company for years and years and years. We'd all drifted apart at this point, not just with different organizations and stuff, but like some of us had moved halfway across the province and stuff like that. So I spent months leading up to this land party 
talking to the old crew. Hey, you going to be there? And it's like, yep, you know, 90%, I'm going to be there. 80%, I'm going to be there. Like if I had any reasonable belief that like we weren't going to get at least a dozen people, I would have yeah. just pulled the plug. And like that morning, I'm 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 talking to guys like Jason and he was in Ottawa at that point. Brent, right? yeah, oh yeah, he was ready to come down. And I don't, I don't know, something happened with him and his girlfriend or whatever. And like shit happens. We're we'd come to this point in our life where we needed to be a little bit more like adults. I mean, we we were you know man and women children at this point. Oh yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it was very much a, a life lesson for me, but it wasn't this sort of pathetic thing where like, you know, nobody came to my birthday party after <laughs> sending the entire class invites. No, it was just a <laughs> scheduling conflict mostly, but it was just, it was hilarious because these, like we sat in a LAN party and there were four of us and there's lots of games mm-hmm. you can play with four people and it could be lots of fun. They didn't, they, they never talked they no to me. No interested. Yep. I mean, you 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 tried to set up like, hey, let's play some games, let's get some games going, and they were they were over there playing by themselves, hopped up on something because man, they were like hooting and hollering and woo. With what and, were probably three or four thousand dollar PCs at the time. Oh yeah, like major major money. And you know, we were over there with our beige boxes that probably should have been just put on the scrap heap. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. So here, here's a story that sort of illustrates the paradox of how, like, we tried to do the best we could. We'd invest in some hardware, like we'd scrimp and save, you know, all year to be like, I'm going to buy this second or third tier video card that is almost a generation old at this point or whatever. And, you know, some of us were were proud of that. Some of us got a little bit jealous about that. But, like, if we did that, that's all we did. So our average LAN party started out with, like, you know, a 5 or or 10 port, like, 5 gigabit hub, not even a switch when we started. Yeah. You know, and and part of the challenge is just getting everybody on a network when you don't have anything assigning IP addresses. And, yeah, you know. That's for after you format and reinstall. Yeah. But you and I went to, it was just a small little get together. You and I, Eric and Steven, it was at their apartment to yep. play Age of Empires. And like at this point, we all had reasonable computers, but they were running like, again, a five megabit network through a hub and they didn't even have Ethernet cables. They'd taken like phone cords, right? Like clip the RJ11 connectors off phone cords. Oh. I, I don't even know what's an analog phone cord. What does it have for twisted pair count? Like, is it even twisted pair? It's I don't not. I think it's so. Four it's solid four. wires. Yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, it worked, but we tried to play Age of Empires and you get like two hours into a game and we were just having desyncs happen every five minutes to the point where we just said, fuck it, we're starting over. Yeah. And the stupid thing, like this is what gets me is that like, I mean, Eric was a clever boy, right? He did all kinds of things. And I think sometimes he did them just because someone told him that that's not possible. Mm hmm. Uh, but like the the thing is like the difference in cost between buying a phone cable and buying a network cable is like twelve cents. Like that's that's one bean in a can of beans, right? It just like why? Yeah, get it. Now I mean There's, nowadays you just show up and say what's the Wi-Fi password? Yeah. 
There's uh, another story, and it's just a meaningless little thing, but it's one thing I'll remember for the rest of my life. It was at a LAN party at my apartment. We were playing. Am I going to get mad at you over this story? No, not at all. You're going to laugh. We were playing. I want to say it was when we tried getting into Raven Shield after Ghost Recon. Oh, yeah. And we had sort of an intense like team game. And this is how into it we got. Now, this is a first-person shooter. I know exactly where you're going with this. And Jay had been killed. Like, he, he was out. You know, I don't know if we were playing with respawns or he just expended them or whatever. And he comes out, and I don't even remember who he was standing behind. Somebody that was on his team. And he's like, look, he's behind the door. And he's got a gun. <laughs> the game stopped. I, I remember the game stopped. Everybody just turned to look at him. It's like, Jay, everyone has a gun. <laughs> it's a first person shooter. <laughs> oh. oh my God. I remember that. <sighs> I will never forget that. I had forgotten I... about that. Uh, look out, he's got a gun. Uh. <laughs> uh. Oh, I miss uh. those days. Oh, uh. uh, so do I. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk about land party games. Okay. Uh, what were a couple of your favorites and why? Now, we've already talked about Age of Empires, so I think we have to. Uh, I mean, bring that up specifically age of empires to mm-hmm. uh, age, age of Kings. Kings with the conquerors expansion. We invested probably more time in that game oh. than any other game. Just because it's like, you know, a game took several hours the way we played it. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I played online for a little bit once that became possible. And I like, cause, cause for a little bit there, I was, I was sort of dominating, uh, our our sessions in Age of Empires, mm-hmm. and so I thought I'll hop online and see where I stand. And um, I was beaten yep. in six minutes. Yeah, like, like it's just like, well, how do you even what? Like the people have practiced the opening sort of like seventy two moves to get. Oh yeah, they played it like StarCraft, right? Where you had an opening build order and and rush games or things. And now when you play these games at land parties, like the, the point is everybody gets to have fun. You want to yeah. win, like it's competitive, but you have these sort of unspoken sort of social contract where it's like, we're going to give everybody a chance to build up to a certain level. And then like the gloves come off. Yep. And that would be a point where sometimes I very often you would just steamroll or whatever. Everybody. And it all depended too on on sort of a lot of the times like who attacked who first, like <clears throat> if like because I mean you don't really know like I don't, I wasn't ever very good at scouting. It's one of the really weak parts of my performance at that game. Um, but it really depended on how well you saw <clears throat> like uh, or found other people and who you found first. So like if you attack someone's if you attack someone strong and I attacked someone weak. Then, like right after that, I'm rolling over Tapia, um, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, or if we find each other, sometimes it's like, well, the two of them are gonna, you know, gang up on whoever's left. 
I remember too some games of Age of Empires where like one of us had like one peasant or a scout left hidden in a corner somewhere, and it's like you haven't won yet because you haven't found me. And then you have to send all of your people all over the map to try and find that one unit the other guy has left. And then it got to got to the point where often you and I would make side deals and then you would be the dick about it. Sometimes <laughs> I was the dick, but often you were the dick where it's like, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to go at each other because like, if we do that, like whoever's left standing will be in rough shape. Yep. And it'd be that at that point where you'd like pay attention to the game settings. Cause normally I would set it into like a conquest mode. Right. But occasionally I'd slip up and leave it in standard. And then all of a sudden you've built this incredibly fortified <laughs> area that you then plant a wonder down in. And I'm like, yep. why the fuck are you building? a? Oh, <laughs> I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, win at all costs or whatever. <laughs> I've grown a little since then. Uh, no, I, hey, you know what? I, I deserved it. <laughs> Attention to uh, detail matters, kids. I, this is one of the reasons that, <clears throat> and this is this is a lesson learned for me, is that like a lot of, I always felt really competitive um, about things like that. And I have since come to discover that I enjoy cooperation a lot more, mm-hmm. right? It's one of the reasons I enjoy playing Dungeons and Dragons so much because like you don't, like there's no win. You don't win at Dungeons and Dragons. Y'all sit around a table and have fun. So uh, that's, that's much more enjoyable to me now. I mean, I still enjoy competing, but I, I enjoy it on a much friendlier level now. It's like, oh, hey, I lost. That's, that's fine. Uh, All right. Another game we got to talk about is the original Ghost Recon, because it was our other main staple. I mean, I'd still play it. I do occasionally, too. Uh, it is a first-person shooter from before the time when the formula was really figured out like everything from controls to, you know, you don't see your gun in the middle of your screen playing this game, right? Like you just got a little, it's a cross reticle or whatever. The controls are, are just bonkers compared to sort of what was established afterwards and, and has basically been the model since, but it also plays unlike anything that's ever been made since then. It is, if you're doing it right, incredibly slow you know like uh depending on map choices and objectives like it is one of those games where like sitting and camping in a field and not moving for a little while it's valid can be a good strategy yeah and one of the things that i liked about it because it was so slow is like you got so immersed into it like i would lean in looking at pixels on my 21 and a half inch trinitron <laughs> Oh like yeah, brain cancer inducing ray gun in front of me, and uh-huh. you, you almost stop paying attention to what's around you. And then, like that one shot comes from the middle of nowhere, probably completely accidental. Like yep. they didn't know you were there; they missed something else, like half a mile in front of you, and and, whoop, and you're dead. Either whoop, or you're dead, or you're not, and you you have a heart attack. <laughs> right because other games like you're moving fast you're 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 you know you're in you're being tactical but everything's very sort of like counter-strike for instance just while people considered it a tactical game completely different like it felt more like oh, a you're Call always of Duty moving or, yeah where you know with with ghost recon like it was 
stealth the ultimate mattered. slow stealth tactical thing. And because of that, like, dude, I, I compare it to a modern game that I've played, Subnautica, where you just get so immersed in what's going on and you're just paying attention that the sound design matters. Like I'm sitting there camped in a field and haven't seen anybody in 15 minutes. And I'm like, why the fuck am I sweating? <laughs> yeah. Atmosphere. Atmosphere like happened. Like you, you would, um, when you were doing some of the, uh, the CQB maps where there's doors and everything, you would be, you'd be watching for shadows to Twitch. Mm -hmm. You'd be listening for, uh, like, like, uh, NPCs would talk and is it like are they are they speaking Russian or are they speaking English mm -hmm. or are they speaking Italian right because that matters because you know like you some of them you want to shoot and some of them you don't I remember there was one map that was like on a dock side and there was a ship that you could go down and there was always one NPC in the bottom of the ship because there was some amount of, of randomness to where NPCs spawn and then they would sort of move around the map randomly as well uh, I mean very very poor oh my god this beer is awful <laughs> oh excuse me um very very rudimentary ai very very early uh i mean i say rudimentary it was pretty pretty startling at the time you watch it now and think oh my god uh but i was i was you know sneaking down this uh this stairway in the ship and you can hear your boots going tink 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 uh, speaking of sound design and it really mattering as you're going down the metal staircase and then somebody threw a grenade over my shoulder. And I don't, I don't know who it was, but I very nearly <laughs> shit my pants. Yep. Like, cause it went like tink and I'm like, what is that? And then grenade. <laughs> and then like, I throw my mouse across the room and I tip my keyboard over and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, Oh, who, Oh my God. Who did that? Uh, it was probably Jay. Probably. Oh my God. He loved that, that grenade launcher gun. Oh, he would, he would come in either the MM1 or the FN2000. If he got one kill, he'd be like, that's it. I win. I'm out. <laughs> 17 friendly kills. <laughs> yeah. One enemy. Oh. And he would do this not necessarily when we were just playing like co op against uh, AI, but also when we were like doing team against team stuff. Uh. <laughs> He was a wild man. Oh, he was. Well, look out! Fun, he's though. got a gun. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Another game we probably have to bring up: the best, worst, best Need for Speed racing game ever. Oh my God! Busy uh, Clue. Need for Speed. What is it? Four, three, five. Porsche Unleashed. I don't even think it had a number. I think it was just Need for Speed Porsche Unleashed. What? Twelve? One five oh seven seven? One two oh seven seven? I think one two oh seven seven busy clear if he semi. Yeah. Back when just, everybody just, used to play games with the same serial numbers. Yeah. I'm um, just in just in case you, you know what we're talking about, I played the fifth. Uh yeah. I'd buy it now if it was for sale and it worked. But speaking yeah. of terrible hardware, we couldn't afford to buy much. No. Um, it was, you know what? Like I remember the game fondly, and it did a lot of things right relative to what the other Need the Speed uh, Need for Speed games did at the time. But it was also just terrible. Oh yeah, 
Really, really awful. You know what I really enjoyed, and it's not a land party game. I, I think you can play four players, kind of. Is uh, Need for Speed Underground Two? Mm-hmm. Um, it is a little bit of a sidetrack, but it did a lot of things right. In that, like, there was an upgrade path for whatever car you purchased. You had to like, you know, beat challenges and whatever to unlock certain cars. Every so, time like, I've played through that game, I played through with a little starter Nissan. The 240SX is one of yep. the best cars. Yep. Um, the RX-7 is really neat. Um, I always unlock the Supra because it's my dream car. Uh, there's And there's a couple of others that are really good also. Uh, but one of the, the thing I like about the game is that it is a good balance of I don't need to be a really good driver to enjoy this game. But if you are a good driver, it's like, okay, this car is reacting in a way that I can kind of predict because it sort of mimics real life well enough. Like there's a balance between it's an arcade when I push left, it turns left, and uh, a sim where it's like I turn left, but I have too much forward momentum and the front tires can't grab. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Like it just, it felt right because you don't, like in any kind of driving game, you don't have the G forces in your seat. Like I can do a perfect donut in a Honda Civic. I can't do a perfect donut in any video game because there's G forces. And I'm like, all right, I know what's happening to the car because I can feel it. Your, your ass is an input device. Like it's- exactly. Well, a, your ass might be an input device. <laughs> My ass is output only. Um. <laughs> So this seems like a bit of a, a memorial for something that just could never happen again today. You know, part of what made land parties great is there wasn't a, there wasn't really a way to scratch that itch back in the day. Like online play was yeah. so limited. I mean, half of us were still on dial up connections during our heyday. And those of us that weren't were fortunate enough to have broadband internet at about 1.2 megabits per second. Or or a uh, bridged, oh, I guess is AS. Like an ISDN kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, remember Brent going that route. That was after Brian and I wired his house up after, after the first land party he hosted. Ah. <sighs> Good old days. And the the important is, is thing it, to the important thing to remember, kids, is that things change. Mm-hmm. So, but whatever's it's happening lost today, the magic. Like I enjoy, you know, jumping into some video games now and then with with you. I can't can't stand playing with randos, but it yeah. doesn't have the same same thing. You think of nerds being antisocial, and this was sort of our ultimate sort of social thing. Because yes, we played some video games for you know. 48 hours straight sometimes oh my god we also like it was the only time we hung out we socialized it was like going to a car meet where everybody's kind of looking at the computers and what what stupid hacky diy thing you did to your tower this time and i'm really surprised that nobody ever came with a plywood computer and then they became a swap meet, right? Like, you know, yeah. here's here's my binder full of CDs. And because I can't afford to buy new binders, here's the spools of CDs. <laughs> yeah. Still in the, the, the spool that you buy the new case of, you know, 100 plus CDRs in or whatever. And everybody would sort through them. I mean, we didn't have big enough hard drives at the time to have everything on our machines to share. It got that way later. 
you know, and you'd have, you know, somebody would come to the land party, spend most of it downloading Tron or something, but oh. I won't name any names. No, there will be no names named. Um, <laughs> all of it was shareware, of course. Like it was all completely. Oh yes, yes, know, yes, absolutely. Above board, it was all all demos from the back of uh, PC Magazine. Do you remember those discs? Yeah. Uh, they always had like, you know, the latest, you know, Duke Nukem never ever demo in them. I still have some shareware left from those discs. Some of it was amazing. I've got a room downstairs that when we moved into this place and we've been here for. Uh, well, 20 since, years. Yeah, almost. It's 2006. So like 16, 17 years anyway. It started off as like a like it was a little storage room adjacent to the laundry room, just in the basement, right? Like it was in the basement, but it had like a ratty old carpet and some old shelves. So it was probably used as a craft room or like a you know somewhere that somebody stored preserves in at one point or something. And I turned it into my little computer den, and then it just turned into a storage room. But a lot of what was in the computer den, except for my computer, got left in there, and like the storage just got piled around it. So there's a shelving unit at the back that still has like old hardware, old motherboards, old components, a stack of old PC gamer magazines, um, Ah. spools and spools of CDs and binders, those soft binders uh, from CDs in it. I'm slowly digging my way in there because it's going to be a hell of a nostalgia trip going through it all. Well, here's a question, and this one kind of hit me the other day. Do you actually have a CD? Well, I mean, it'd be DVD. Do you actually have a, a system with a DVD reader in it? Not, not that's powered up. No. Oh, I mean, I have uh, one. I think I have an two, external three, drive somewhere. Five. I think I have six or seven actual DVD ROM DVDRW in systems i don't think any of them work no the thing that i found uh happened with those things is that you'd you'd buy like the latest and i remember like the sort of standard was 4x and then we got up to like 52x yeah um but like they they stopped working completely after about six months but you'd build new systems and you would lose the little front plastic things that would take those like five and a quarter inch bay slots, right. And cover them up. So you would just jam a drive in there. Wouldn't even be hooked up. Yep. Yeah. I have several of those (laughs) still. I need, Oh my God. Well, we're going to start packing here in a couple of weeks and I'm going to have to go through my computers. I I have one that I actually have to return to work. Um, but I have like, I have an old, uh, uh, Mac pro or, um, uh, PowerPC Mac, you know, the one that, that ran Windows, the original one, the original Mac that came like, like big steel case. Oh, Somebody okay, gave yeah, it to yeah. me and I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll learn what Mac's all about. I've literally never turned it on. Yeah. I don't know what's in it. So I'm likely going to have to destroy the hard drive and give away the rest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I could talk about land parties all day, but let's move on to uh, something else. Okay. I thought it'd be fun to talk about some of the nerdy side projects that we have on the go. Now, <clears throat> we we almost started this podcast to talk about one of them, and we kind of pivoted last minute. 
And that's that you and I are developing, sort of developing. We spent a few hours prototyping and haven't put anything into it since then. Our own role-playing game systems. Why? Why are you doing that? Oh, man. The why is complicated. Some of it is just because I'm a big nerd and I like math. Um, <clears throat> like, not not real math, like fake math that, that doesn't matter. Because if it matters, I hand it over to an engineer. Um, some of it is just because I, I think games in general are designed poorly and i'm not talking about role-playing games i'm talking about pretty much everything we do like everything that we uh, i read i read a bunch in the DD reddit stuff that just pops up in my feed and i read through it and i see people having discussions about like oh marshals don't do enough dps or you know uh the casters get all this stuff and five rests or six rests or six encounters per per rest and i'm I'm thinking to myself, like, what, what is the actual point? And some of it, I think, like, there's there was a big influx, obviously, during COVID of people who who played these games because there's something you can do and play online and, and be a little bit social. And that's awesome. But sometimes people get a little too wrapped up in the idea of, of rules, right? And I remember running into these people, like, when I was in high school, would be like oh yeah like this this rule and that rule and you have to do and it's like just dude it's it's a game of let's pretend make something up um so my and i think that we've actually sort of you know done a a bit of this because my my interest and approach to it is that i want to simplify things to the point where the rules don't matter Mm-hmm. Right. If you come to a to something or some kind of a, a point in the story where you have to make a decision, you could almost flip a coin. Um, the idea that and the, the sort of trope of RPGs is that you are like RPGs of all kinds, whether they're they're online or or tabletop, is is you start as I mean, it's the hero's journey, right? You start as a simple farmer. You don't know how to do anything. And then you find a magical sword and you have to go on a quest for the other magical sword or the magical crown or the the magical MacGuffin, whatever it is. And along the way, you learn to use bow and you learn to cast spells. Then you become the most powerful thing in the land. And then you throw a funky weapon at somebody and become the beast master, right? Like every every 80s fantasy movie that that exists. And I got to thinking, because there's also, like, it, it ties into my brain, and this is, this is the way my brain works, is all of everything sort of comes together, and everything is interconnected. Um, and if you want to understand more about that, you need to read Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency by Douglas Adams. Um, <laughs> so there's also a thing when you look at how uh, superhero movies are made which is every time that a superhero movie is made, you see the origin story. Uh, somebody does something bad, which usually involves, you know, stealing from rich people. And then there's a space laser. Uh, you don't ever just come in in the middle. Everything goes from you are nothing to you develop. And now you're a Superman, right? And I really like the idea of starting in the middle of the story. We don't know how it started, and it's not important, right? It's just, it's lost in the mists of time. And you're never going to get to, 
you know, superhuman. Like I understand the appeal of those, but there's a lot of those things. There's a lot of those you start as nothing and you grow to greatness. I, I like I just I just think that there's room for let's get together and tell a story. And if we get to a point where there's some kind of conflict that needs to be resolved, let's figure out a simple mechanism where we can roll some dice and see which direction we go from here. Mm-hmm. Right. I really love the idea, and I have no idea how this would work, but I really love the idea of a game where everybody just does their thing and there is no referee, there is no dungeon master, there is no role master or master storyteller or whatever they call you know because mm-hmm. they always the the keeper of the lore there's just a bunch of people telling a story i don't know that's that's why i want to do it but the problem is is that i'm human and i do the same things that all other humans do and i go i'm going to start a really simple system and then I'll just add this on and i'll add this on and i'll add this on and i'll add this on and oh wow that's a complicated formula to roll some dice or flip a coin yeah. So how about you? Why do you want to do it? Uh, well, I mean, there's a part of me like you that mostly I want to see if I can. The answer yeah. is probably I can't, or at least I can, but definitely not well. But I'm the kind of guy that, you know, gets an idea, really excited and engaged in the early sort of thinking and brainstorming and early prototyping stages. And then 90% of the time, I never push it beyond that, right? Even if it is a great idea, it's like, oh, but now it's a job, you, right? I have one of those already. But the the seed for me wanting to and experimenting with building a new system is actually you. Um, in the game that we ran, uh, when I say we, you ran, I was a player. Uh, after our sort of arc through Curse of Strahd and, and miscellaneous stuff, you came up with the idea of having a hub adventure. Now, mechanically speaking, you know, the idea was that we would be able to launch off into different types of things, but also give other like players the opportunity to sit behind the, the DM screen and, and run some games. And I really wanted to run games in other universes where like, Dungeons and Dragons uh, rule systems either didn't work well or just didn't make sense. I wanted something that was sort of simple and universal, and I know there's a million good options out there. But I wanted to just try and see what I could come up with. You know, I, I had a little time on my hands, and and this is what I do for fun. Uh, in particular, I wanted to run some games in the Mass Effect universe. And because we were going to be playing with people that were like relatively new Dungeons and Dragons players, I didn't want to throw a ton of complexity at them. Um, hey, let's learn this new system so that we can go play in this universe. And then, hey, let's do games in a completely different universe and learn this new system. I want to be clear. I like Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. It's a good system. I have nits with it. There's things that I would like to massage and change, but on the whole, for playing Dungeons and Dragons style games, it's hard to beat it. And the tendency for people like me that like the D&D 5e system is to, well, let's let's add all of this complexity of D&D and then add another layer of complexity to try and bend and shape and mold it to 
something else. So there is uh, like a fan project to do uh, uh, Mass Effect uh, D&D 5e system. And it takes all of that complexity and then adds a bunch, <laughs> which is the last thing I wanted to do. Um, you know, I wanted something that at least had a sort of foundation for adjudicating mechanics and offered like a framework for dungeon masters or people that wanted to sort of be that to, to create their stories and, and lean on these simple mechanics for the things that required some mechanics. And I think that actually what I've come up with is it's close to what I was hoping for. It's not perfect. I've, I've added some complexities and I won't get into all the details. We'll, we'll do a, like a deep dive on this shit at some point when we're ready to. There's, there's a lot of baked in knobs that are going to going to require some ter- uh, turning based on some play testing and stuff. And I've got a couple of ideas that are probably just not going to work. But I want to try them because they're different. So I've got another project that I've been working on. I don't know if I've ever spoken to you about it. Um, I, I've talked about it with a few people before, and it is it is nerdy, but it is also peak Shane. Oh, yes. So my problem, uh, in, well, one of my many, many problems is that like the exact opposite of this game system that I'm trying to develop, you know, I try and overcomplicate everything. I try and turn something that like is simple into this complex web of, but I could do this with it. And sometimes I think about it in the like, scope of creating content because I've wanted to do something, YouTube channel, podcast, whatever, you know, and it's like, well, if I do this, I can like triple dip. And <laughs> I can turn this into content and I can turn this into content and this give me everything is content. Right. So keep that in mind when I explain this idea. As I've got like older, my tastes in, in the media that I'm consuming have changed. And even the stuff that I watch on YouTube has changed. And I wouldn't say that I'm into the whole ASMR thing, mm-hmm. but there are some things that I watch that I find absolutely mesmerizing. And one of them is uh, a couple of YouTube channels that specialize in like latex paint pouring art. Okay. You know, literally it's just often it's pores and splatters and patterns and, and like, you know, twisting and turning of a canvas to let like the, all the different colors mix and, and, and kind of like spill off in different directions creates all sorts of weird abstract art. Mm-hmm. And I really like the art. Like I have a bunch of that sort of art in my house, but I've really come to just love watching it being made. Now, Shane. Are you saying you want to make art? No, that would be way too simple. <laughs> what I want to do is build, and, and another excuse is I wanted to get into some CNC stuff, aside from 3D printing and whatnot. Like I haven't actually done a lot of CNC stuff where I'm actually dealing with like microcontrollers and 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 direct sort of input for servos and stepper motors and shit like that. And I was looking for a project to be like, hey. This is an excuse to learn some of that. I want to build a robot, like a like a CNC-ish, CNC-adjacent robot that 
eventually, like phase two, Mark six version of it will, you know, accept some input for inspiration and paint these things, film it being painted, auction the shit off online and triple dip on the content and potential revenue from it. And listen, wow. there are people out there that will watch it. So, you know, I, there could be like content about making this bot. And I've kind of like, I never, I did a little bit of research, but I'm like, if I'm going to turn this into content, I got to do it right. So I don't want to like build the thing and then start, you know, making uh -huh. content. So that's one of the reasons, in addition to the fact that, hey, it's just, it's work, right? You. But I want to. I want to do the nerdy shit, which is like talking about the process, uh, sort of like um, there's a, there are a couple of YouTube channels that we both watch, like stuff made here where it's like, you know, I mean, he's doing cool shit that I'd have no idea how to do. Like, you know, here's a basketball net that just tracks your ball and automatically goes to the right. Oh. point. But what's good about yeah. him is like he shows you all the failures and the thought processes and the brainstorming and the like the, the rabbit holes that you go down. And I think this would be an amazing project just for kind of doing that, right? Like talking about the, I don't know anything about CNC. I don't know anything about, you know, here's my DIY approach to trying to figure some of that out. I would be interested in that because I, I do some of that for a living. Well, I know you would be. And, and maybe this is, a you know, a project that you'd probably do overnight and it'd be great. And maybe that'd defeat oh, the purpose. Oh, no, 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 no. Take your estimate for however long you think it's going to take double it, add 30%. Now you're close. Mm -hmm. But imagine, so this, this robot, you know, it's, it's just got hoppers with random paint getting poured into it. Like Mark one would not have the ability to select paints and mix it. Like I would just, you know, Mark one, my original sort of drawing for it literally had like a, a pancake, uh, batter dispenser at the top that I was just okay. sort of opening, uh, okay. <laughs> on demand kind of thing. Uh, sort of your typical, uh, like gantry setup on common on like CNC routers. Right. And, uh, you know, move this way. Didn't really need to move up and down for Mark one. And I'd, I'd have my, uh, gantry move this way, sort of on the bottom plate, but I wanted to add sort of a lazy Susan that I could both tip and spin so I could rely on, um, like centripetal forces to, to spread paint when I needed to, or when I wanted to, to tip it, I could tip it that way with cameras focused on it. So I'm, I'm recording this, this happening and being painted and you're not seeing, you know, some fat white dude with hairy arms in the way, ruining the experience for you. It's all done by the CNC bot. And then I can do like the slow-mo ASMR version of it with just like the nice, you know, royalty free music playing in the background, like that had become a YouTube channel of its own. And then you'd have the opportunity to buy, you know, like wouldn't be worth much. Like we're talking $10 a print here until, you know, if it ever becomes popular, maybe it goes somewhere, but you know, you see this being made like in a live stream, then there's the ASMR version of it on a, on a YouTube channel. And then there's just a, an auction link to be like, Hey, you want it? 10 days, you know, highest bidder at the end of the 10 days. We're just going to ship this to you. There's like three avenues of content and four avenues of revenue in this idea, which is why I liked it. 
but it's so overwhelmingly big at this point that like it's never going to happen. So like you do it because I'm probably not. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I'm not. Like that sounds way too much like my day job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was going to be an excuse for me to get into some more like Python development. Like you can do some some CNC sort of stuff in Python on just a Raspberry Pi, which would have been sort of my my Mark One controller, uh, where I would just be sort of building a. a a simple sort of coordinate system for, for moving shit around. Um, pre-programmed kind of like uh, tracks that would just sort of get merged together and, and it would do some boundary calculations just to make sure that I wasn't moving out of boundaries. And, you know, every, every paint would, uh, every painting would be unique in some way through a randomization process to start. But ultimately, like my, my end goal was like, well, what can I do to, to make this special? Now, I'm not building AI because, you know, I'm an idiot. I don't know how to do any of that. But you can do things like take inputs, upload an image. I'm not going to try and recreate the image, but like uh, establishing a color palette or recognizing a few shapes or curves or something that makes an image sort of uniquely it and replicating that in the motion of the CNC stuff, or even taking something like upload a song and, and say, extract something good. from the song that, that, you know, it's the difference between creating a product and creating art. And I recognize that like, when you just have a machine doing something, it's hard to call it art. So, so the nerdy sort of part of this is once I've figured out how to make the mechanics of it work, how do I make it into something that somebody would consider art or something that where somebody you know, to take inspiration from <laughs> something that, you know, that, that intangible bullshit that, you know, somebody's going to look at that and, oh, it is a Cuban sunrise. Or um, know, see what no, they want to see. It's all abstract, yeah. You know, but yeah, like... I get it. I get it. Um, it's interesting you say that, and I'm going to do uh, a thing now that I I talked about earlier, where there's that guy in high school who always, you know, was like, "Oh, the rules this," and let me relate that to the other thing. Um, I, it reminds me of part of a story that Douglas Adams wrote, and I cannot remember where it's from. But I do remember that the guy's job, which he hated and he was leaving, was to write – he was writing a computer program that would translate the profit and loss chart of corporations into music. All right? The input was the, you know, the mm -hmm. profit and loss statement, and it – it output and apparently like it was he made billions of dollars because every company wants this and they're turning that into their jingle based on whatever their profit and loss statement is um but it did it inspired me to think of something kind of similar is is that like i was wondering like if you could if you could make uh not necessarily an ai but if you could randomly generate because i mean music is basically math right mm -hmm. if you could basically have a computer program that's going to go all right i'm going to pick a theme a key and i'm going to you know sort of randomly input notes until i find a combination that is pleasing and then i'm just going to build from there like this and this is is pleasing based on some mathematical output mm -hmm. of the music and like it, it sounds like kind of the same thing right and and i got to even less of a stage because i literally thought of the concept and went yeah, that's probably 
beyond my mathematical ability, so I'm not even going to start. <laughs> I'm surprised that nobody has done it though, because there's like there's lots of uh, you can remember the uh, the crackro music that they used to play. Like there's all kinds of uh, there's all kinds of it on on YouTube now, and obviously it's it's you know no longer uh, no longer relevant. But some of the music was really that's like this is catchy. Like I could I could just mm-hmm. listen to this for a long that, time. Well, you know that's something that's worth a deep dive in, and an episode all in itself is that demo scene because like it still thrives. Like there's people doing crazy ass demo shit now on Vic twenties and C 64s and, and Atari 2600s that would blow your mind. Yep. Eight bit music is amazing. Yeah. Oh, not even just the music, like pushing the hardware to its limits and finding new ways to, to, to make something do something it was never designed to do. Yeah. Uh, I, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's nutty. I was listening to a podcast, uh, one of the Retronauts podcasts, uh, just looking back at the early years of the Atari 2600 and how um, the ways that developers cleverly used flaws in the system to do things that it was never designed to do. And later in the C64, like, like voice synthesis. Yeah was being done because there was a bug in the I'm going to get this wrong so don't don't quote the details but like there was a bug in one of the sound chips where like when you turned it on and off it clicked yeah right like it wasn't a graceful sort of shut off kind of thing and they took that click and made it an oscillator <laughs> uh-huh. and through through math right like essentially yep waveform generation with this oscillator they they did like voice synthesis and stuff the point you know why that's important and relevant is that it goes back to that demo scene when you see amazing shit happen in video games it probably happened as a result of somebody doing it in a demo first like just to prove that it could be done or Uh, even accidentally i tried to do this and this happened and isn't it amazing yeah uh, I want to get into table talk. I know we've done a little bit of it already, but uh, I want to hear about your game. Sure. Oh, God. I'd have to bring up my notes. You have notes. All right. Table talk is the part of the show where we talk about all things dungeons, dice, sometimes dragons, um, sometimes anything else. Uh, tell us when you've had one game, maybe two games since... Uh, since we last one I, I think so when was the last time that we spoke because my last my last game was on the seventh so i may not have had uh we recorded sunday last sunday not this one passed but the one before so yeah so i this is yeah so this was last last sunday um i did i tell you about the the rainbow spider we went into the basement so. yeah okay so we we went to the we went to to double check the um the sort of lighthouses for the um for the the space ships from uh, well I'm on my second drink now so I can't remember words uh <laughs> star something spelljammer that's it spelljammer yeah 
Yeah, so we we uh, we met the uh, the wizard's familiar, who was a rainbow-colored spider. While we were checking out the lighthouses, um, the uh, the DM had to give us a whole bunch of hints because we were not getting it. Um, so we got some uh, some passwords for some things that were something, and then we it teleported to the basement somehow. Uh, let's see. We fought a tiefling who might be a vampire. Um, there was a, a crew member. This is see. This is the reason that I I don't really talk much during this particular game is because like it's going, it's it's really well DM'd and everybody else is playing well and I'm looking at it and going, these are my notes. What the? <laughs> what the uh, hell is even happening? I don't even know. Right. Right. I'm, uh, I'm we tracking went, we, the second one. I might die here. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I'll do anything for more views. Uh, Doesn't quite smell right. Does it smell like apples? Apple adjacent. <laughs> Close enough. Nope. Yeah, I mean, anyway, so so we won the the whole the whole situation but we uh we got a whole bunch of of neat spelljammer type items see this is the th- sort of thing where like i get confused between this game and our game because the two characters are named very similarly and they're they're sort of similarish um Except the, in this game, my character is, is far more, eh, let's just kill everybody. Uh, yeah, so anyway, there's, there were some gnomes and there were some clockwork gnomes and we, we did the thing and we turned on the lighthouse and you know we got rewarded. That was, that was pretty much how it went. There was a lot more than that. And if you were there, it was a lot more awesome than that. Um, but that's what my notes say. And I'm, I'm very terrible at keeping notes. <laughs> I think I have better. I'm not even sure I have better notes about our game, to be honest with you. So I know your group used to play in person. You're playing online now. Yeah. Some of us used to play in person. Yeah. There's, there's a, um, most of us are sort of local ish. Um, but there's one guy that lives sort of, you know, way down the road. Uh, and occasionally, you know, different people get together and stuff, but yeah, we're, we're geographically far enough apart that playing in person every week would be impossible. Does anybody record your sessions? No. Opposed no, to it? No, there was, the, yeah, there was some talk about it at the beginning, and it, there was not not so much a, an objection, but sort of a general resistance to the to the idea. Um, I know that our DM does actually do some podcasty stuff, and I think he he does some stuff with a group that he does record. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't have a link to it. Otherwise, I'd share it. <laughs> yeah. So our game, uh, you worked your way down into the mines, um, tracking down these uh, people that were responsible for an attack on on your party and, and some of your associated business partners in your very first session. Uh, you got to the second level, really, when you started hearing some chanting in a strange language. And uh, I knew Cindy had the comprehend languages spell, which was kind of why that was in there. 
the you really skipped over the most important part of the session though well i guess we gotta to figure out what that part is but you worked your way down you you found this chanting that was like they were trying to speak to a demon that they were trying to rise or summon or something like that and yada 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 you got down you you defeated one of the bad guys. The other one fled. You, you took out some of the henchmen, but they managed to free the demon. And then what happened? Uh, and then the demon turned out to be a stoner swinger from the hippie guy who likes orgies with various interspecies things. And then he pulled a horn out of his ass, which we can apparently use to summon him. Um, yeah. And How... we call him Eddie. <laughs> I have to ask the question. How did your wife take that? Um, I think that she was reasonably amused. Um, it was definitely... It was definitely an odd thing because up until now, um, other than a few sort of side jokes, the, the whole the whole campaign has been kind of serious a little, like a little bit serious. Not it's super been serious, serious, but also like that's part, partly a result of like, with the exception of my wife's character, all of you are super serious as characters. That's true. We that got three true. straight men and, and a goblin that's trying his best to add some levity to the game. And it's just... It's bouncing off of everybody. Yeah, we 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 went a little bit like save the world, didn't we? Yeah. So I, and I've done this in in some of my other games too, where you know I just there's nothing creative or original about like subverting expectations. So this is not you know yay me what a what a smart DM. But I decided it was time to like throw a wrench into the mix, like the the. He pulled a desiccated gerbil out of his ass. This this mine after this demon being trapped in this this like crystalline shit for millennia, maybe uh, like this used to be basically a sex dungeon or like, you know, vacation spot for him where he had this this amazing orgy planned and everybody was attending and uh, some fucking adventurers came in and like crashed the party uh, beat up a bunch of the guests and and set off something that resulted in this poor dude being trapped in in amber. Now he was a uh, Armanite is the the stat block, and it's basically think of a deno- uh, demonic sort of insectoid centaur, right? So the last thing you would think of as sort of a hedonistic kind of free loving dude, but he is basically Bacchus. The Roman god of wine. Yeah. So the most know. important you guys part are, of the session you guys for are me, f- though. Okay. Go ahead. Most important part of the session for me uh, was the, we're going to bluff our way in, and it literally just didn't work. Like, at all. Where all of us were, I mean, well, I, sh- I should say, I, I know that most of us, like, there's two rogues and a monk with a criminal background. All of us are good at bluffing our way into places. And my wife, playing a, a sort of wizard ingenue, 
who has absolutely no ability whatsoever to fool anyone, convince anyone, or scare anyone. We we walked in as we're the, the OSHA inspectors, basically, because there's some people who have been killed in this mine, <laughs> you know, with clipboards and things, telling people that they're going to... And 10 seconds into this encounter, my wife charges forward and goes, listen here, you've violated this, that, and the other thing. And it's just like, they're just looking at her like, you're, you're full of shit, lady. Like, you... You have no idea. Also, keep in mind that my my wife and I are playing a married couple in the game, and we're both uh, tabaxi, right? And she chose to be small, so she's like, I don't know, like four foot two or something, right? And and a fluffy cat, and she's like, you know, trying to intimidate this orc with a kit with a clipboard is like, look here, do you see? Do you see the regulations that you're in violation of? And they're just looking at her like, this this doesn't exist. We don't there's no mine inspector. What are you talking about? But the important setup for that was literally 20 seconds before when Paige, your wife in game, was like, honey, you do the talking. You got this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think I you said- got four words out of your mouth. <laughs> and then she's just like pushing you out of the way, charging in, waving this clipboard. Uh, <laughs> chef's kiss. Oh my God. It was great. I was killing myself laughing the whole time. I'm like, you know, she totally, she totally rode right over top of me. And I'm just like, you go girl. Right. <laughs> oh, I kind of wanted mean, this to turn into a fight anyway. Yeah. I mean, please don't die before it does. Yeah, yeah. Just please, please let me stab people before they kill you. That's the other important piece of of, of context for there. Why it's so ludicrous. Uh, she's she's a wizard librarian, like scholarly character, completely out of her depth, trying to play like a rogue. Now yeah. you know the setup is it's a world where where magic is barely a thing. Uh, as a magic user, she's special. So there's a hesitancy to put it on full display, but also as somebody like as a scholarly character, I don't, I don't think she's ever come out and say it, but like what magic she does, it doesn't feel like she's ever really done it before. Like she's, she's trying all of this for the first time, you know, yep. in our first session, she's, she's sitting there trying to stabby, stabby, crossbow, crossbow. And I'm like, wizard. What are you, wizard. what are like, you doing? Yeah. You're a wizard. Like throw fireballs. What are you yeah. doing? Yeah, and that's still like, still sort of what's happening, but in a in a yep. more comical way. Yeah, and she's gonna, I mean she's doing that on run purpose. Run up and back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. I'm, yeah. I'm not complaining, but just the the run up and get in this orc's face and try and try and piss him off, and then like do the the you know monk shit. All of a sudden, I'm gonna backflip off of this this stage that I'm on <laughs> and, and try and do something super cool and badass. And uh, I mean. It just doesn't quite for work. It. No, not at all. It's great. Uh, no, she's, I mean, she's playing her character to perfection. It's great. Uh, and it's funny every um, time. <laughs> My other game uh, has progressed. I think I've had a couple of sessions of that one since we last spoke. Um, continuing our, our quest through the Feywild and, and trying to stop this um co-mingling or coalescence of the the Feywild and the Shadowfell and and they had their encounter with a dragon a couple of sessions ago the first time that this party we've been playing together for more than a, a year now uh they're level 8 
uh, have seen a dragon, like haven't even thrown, you know, worms or, or little whelplings or anything at them. Uh, because I've moved them to the Feywild, it, it's, it's appropriate. You're seeing all kinds of shit for the first time. And their reaction, as I mentioned in our previous episode, was just great. Like they shit their pants and it was wonderful. And uh, in this one, they had their first encounters with uh, undead. Um, oh. They were they were traveling down to the south end of of sort of this main continent to uh, plains of Echoing Thunder or whatever it is to to find these centaurs. They'd received direction that the centaurs could help them get into this place, which is kind of like a Mordor style thing, uh, where there's one of these we're calling them elemental tethers for now. It's sort of the, the the mechanisms that are responsible for this convergence that's happening. And they need to, to find them and, and whatever they are, deal with them so that things can kind of go back to normal. And they track down these centaurs. The centaurs were being attacked by undead when they found them. Um, and it was one of those situations where I was down a player this session. So we're like, Hey, let's lean into the combat and not move the plot along too much. And we can get a session in without the player that was missing, you know, missing anything super important. So it's, you know, right. these zombies and, and they, they take them all down and they think they've won the day. And all of a sudden the bones from the zombies all sort of like form together and, and, form something bigger and it kills oh, some of the, no. the centaurs the centaurs fall down and they die and then the centaurs stand back up as zombies themselves and it, it all turned into this sort of final-ish encounter with a necromancer and uh the stout block of a zombie tyrannosaurus rex oh <laughs> it's just more and more of these dead bodies just got pulled together to deform this sort of bony abomination and it was good times that reminds me of a particular time that you all came into a town and all of the townsfolk we had risen do not, zombies. We do not talk about that. <laughs> uh, the trouble with Curse of Strahd when you're running through the curse is, is that it's a difficult line to walk because you don't want it to be completely morbid, but at the same time, it's a really dangerous place and it's awful and things are terrible and it's really depressing. And... <sighs> Like it needs to have a little bit of, I don't know, weight. I guess. Yeah, was it Velaki? I think it was. I Vilaki. think it might have been. I can't remember, but it was one of the towns where, like, you had made friends with people, and then you show up, and like everybody's undead, and you, you killed everybody because you well, have what, to. Well, yeah, like it turned into Left for Dead for a session. Yep. But what made it absolutely fucking horrible is the way you spun it at the end and left it off. Like we're thinking, Oh, everything that we know about this situation means this is some bullshit. Strahd's pulling some bullshit. These aren't real people. Right. And then it gets twisted in a way where it's like, actually it was the real people and, and they weren't zombies. And you guys were just fucking mowing through them and murdering them because it was you that was fucked up. Yep, your and, perceptions were screwed. And then, you know, we're left off, like, trying to convince ourselves that it didn't happen. <laughs> we need to continue our heroic journey after we've been, you know, manipulated into murdering a town. Like, yep. a whole town. 
the ironic part of it for me, and I mean, I was cackling uncontrollably behind the mic, um, is because every other group of D&D players that I have ever played with have been stereotypical murder hobos. Here is a thing. You've described it to me. That means I need to kill it. Mm-hmm. And you guys were like, oh, it's a zombie. Well, let's see if we can negotiate with it. It's it's a zombie, guys. Like it's it's inherently evil. You're allowed to kill it. Yeah, but but maybe it had a bad childhood and we can help it. <laughs> you know, which is great. Like it was a wonderful it was a wonderful experience for me as a DM because you you all just sort of leaned into the idea that it's a story and right, in a story, sometimes the people that you meet are not your enemies. And that was great, but it was like But in the right. middle of a year of gothic horror curse of strad yeah. like misplaced maybe i yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was a little bit too sunshine and rainbows and i needed to i needed to bring you guys back to earth a little bit i needed to actually inject some horror into curse of strad and that that to me is the thing that was so hilarious it's like curse of strad vampire controls a shard of of reality where everything is truly awful and I have to inject some horror into this thing. It was a great year and a half. It really was. Yeah. I'm kind of getting the itch to run it again, to be honest. I might, if it comes up in the other group, I might actually, uh, might actually spin it up again and try running it one more time. Yeah. I think it'd be nice to like, go back and like run it OP, you know, like go in as like, level 15 characters right and just walk through amber temple and 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 i mean strahd you know i mean he's not strahd isn't the kind of big bad where it's like it matters how much you've you've leveled right like it's that's not the type of enemy he is he's not and i know you nerfed him a bunch and stuff for for us with the way it went down but like he's He's not designed to be that type of bad guy. Um, no, he's designed to be the one who gets in your head and basically makes you defeat yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, that night in that, and it was in a church. That was the best part. We were like <laughs> holed up in a fucking church. Yep. And uh, it was every like terrible sort of pulp zombie movie left for dead all rolled into one yep. and like i can't remember that would have been dulcimer to have been lost at that point so sora was with us i think because it wasn't that long before we ended up finishing the campaign yeah but i do remember there was a couple of scenes where like i want to say maybe it was was sora tanya playing where it was basically like the uh the scene from serenity where river sort of just at the end where, where all the, the <laughs> rivers are coming in and she's just like, Oh, Simon's hurt. I got this. And like throws herself out and just one V like eighties them. Yep. Yep. Ginsu. Yep. And, and Ginsu that was blender. Just, just straight up murder. Well, I mean, like you did a great job of setting the the tone the next day, though. You cast a little bit of doubt because like nobody was there, like the entire town was empty the next day. But there was signs that some shit had gone down. 
Yeah. Like when you investigate it, it was like, oh, no, there's no footprints. Well, actually, no, it looks like somebody intentionally covered them up. <laughs> Fuck you. I loved it. Yeah, it was it was a great moment of like I, I kind of I don't know, like I'm torn about running it again because it does like it. I don't know, like I'm much more, much more fond of running campaigns where like there's just all kinds of in jokes and it's all just like simpsons quotes and funny stuff and beat on people who are absolutely 100 percent identifiable as evil mm -hmm. <sighs> moral ambiguity does not belong in tabletop rpgs there's a con as a uh, a topic for another day mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I run I run a lot of things reasonably gray, so we'll see how it there's, goes. There's there's room for gray, but there's a lot of fun to be had in black and white as well. Yeah. Yeah, I was hoping for one of my groups because I was setting up this world where you're kind of, you know, employed by an organization that was had their fingers in a lot of pies. And it was my hope that at some point the groups would have to question whether they were the bad guy or not. But in both cases, both the groups just went and did their own things in a very different way. So that never happened. Like my my first group turned into like, uh, they started uh, Cliffside PI. So that was their front organization rather than Sanctuary oh. in your group. They started this private investigation firm. Uh, and it was very like Scooby-Doo-ish to start. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and all the characters are like we got one sort of serious kind of roguey kind of you know character like the stereotypical rogue but all the the characters were a little bit silly so it kind of fit um where your group got like criminal underworld like immediately like you know because i didn't have a ton to work with in terms of like backgrounds where it's like okay here's some immediate sort of natural hooks based out of character stories i mean two of you crash landed on this strange world so like well I yep. can't make, you know, pull pull your nemesis from five years ago who did this thing into it or anything. And <laughs> Squig, uh, Quig rather, is just so, like, hilariously straight. Oh, yeah. Like, he is 100% monk straight from the temple. Like a hundred percent. Like he honestly, like I picture him in orange robes, just being serene all the time. Yeah. All the time. And I mean, it's a, it's a little bit tough to work with for me. Like I've been struggling with it. So like all I've come up with this at point is, well, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to turn you into Jesus and <laughs> I'm going to make you uncomfortable with it. <sighs> and uh, I think it worked. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, it, it had me entertained the whole session. Uh, He's the kobold Jesus. I need you to do me a favor. This is this is as a DM asking a player and a friend a favor. Now, I, I have all my people use push to talk on Discord because uh, most games I've, I just find like, you know, you're playing online, so there's always something else going on. It's not like you got 100% of people's focus and and all the coughing and hacking and typing like it's I'm in a better place when I don't hear that going on. You know, yep. when one of the players is is doing something else and I catch on, it's just like, oh, you know, 
know, it's disheartening. Yeah, it is. And like, I can, you know, sit in my own little happy world. And, and when you got pushed to talk on and I don't have to hear that stuff, but for you specifically, I need you to mash that button a little bit more, even if you just need to make guttural noises or laugh or something. Okay. Because I don't. Some of that stuff just feels like I'm, I'm, I'm like it's flat, like I'm getting nothing. And I'm like, Jesus, I, I hope they in, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, that's a big thing. part of like playing online and not being around a table. Like I, I really don't get a read. It'd be different maybe if we had cameras in our game or something. But yeah. And that might be something to. Oh, that's something about the new house. I haven't found out yet. I don't know what my Internet situation is going to be. Um, but yeah, I get that sometimes like, and there's times too, where you're, you're going and I'm laughing and I can hear Cindy laughing because she's like in the other room. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I know she hears me laughing and I'm surprised sometimes that you don't get my laugh through her mic. Cause I'm just, I'm howling with laughter. Some like tears pouring out of my eyes. Uh, when uh, when you were doing the the whole like Meepo statues basically tossed in the corner and, and Clegg is, is up there instead, I was just like, oh my god, like this is so perfect. Like it's such it's such a perfect reversal and uh, like um, uh, like a redemption arc for the player, <laughs> right? Because he at the like when when Meepo died, like he was he was not. He was not evil, but he was definitely neutral. It was like, well, Meepo died. It was for science. <laughs> right? yep. And like his character now is just like, I want to help people. Not only did he get to save some kobolds, but managed to still somehow fuck Meepo while doing it. And that's the best <laughs> part of it. <laughs> yeah. Poor Meepo's getting fucked twice. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I need you to just like, mash your push to talk button and make noises at me because like that will that will help me read the room a little bit more because sometimes i feel like oh i I'm just guessing like are you into this or not like i, I thought it'd be cool yeah maybe it's cool the, uh yeah I'll, the, I'll be honest with you the eddie eddie character kind of threw me for a loop i wasn't quite sure how to react to that no and that's that's it, fine because on the one hand, I'm like, this is kind of funny. On the other hand, I'm like, this entire scene makes me deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> right? Which I think is the point, right? Yes, it's that the was point the of, point of that. It's like, okay, so here's this this demon guy who's like just really into stuff that I'm I'm totally not into, right? And there's a whole other dynamic, too, of of like, you know, like my wife is in the game, and in the game, she's my wife, mm-hmm. right? And here's this inter, inter, interdimensional galactic being who's like hey are you into oh you're not into that okay and i'm like "Mm." (laughs) like do i say something here like i think i think just like you just just evaporated one of the bad guys yeah do i don't want to piss him off (laughs) yeah uh i mean the the most of that stuff was for shock value the one part of his is sort of thing that i actually to me is the funniest is just the idea that he just fucking can't stand adventurers because of how much adventurers have wronged him. <laughs> and here's you guys like, no, no, we're, we're peacekeepers. Peacekeepers. <laughs> yeah. We're not adventurers. I, to be, to be fair, we're not really. No, you're not. You really are not. You're, you're. I mean, I, I'm, I'm setting myself as like a, a like a, a criminal yeah. 
yeah, city can you, boss. Yeah, can you can you have like an altruistic crime boss? I mean, that's what it's I'm like trying to do. Crime boss without the crime. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking. See, here's the thing: <laughs> is that is it like I what I'm my my sort of thrust here is like the original purpose of the mob, mm-hmm. um, like the like the mafia, mm-hmm. um, which was like here's a neighborhood where the police don't come. People still need to be protected. We still need to stand together. And if we stand together, mm-hmm. then you know we stand against the world. Anyway, I'm I'm trying very much to to inject like hope and positivity into my life because it's super super easy to be really really pessimistic about stuff. Yeah, and I, I I don't like there's there's hope to be had. So let's try and inject that into our fun. Something like Dungeons and Dragons or, or tabletop is like if you have a hard time finding hope, sometimes there's an easy place to manufacture it, and yeah. like. Everybody knows it's completely fake and 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 phony and not real, but who cares? For that little, you know, that two hours a week or whatever, it still feels okay. Yep, feeling good feels good. It doesn't matter if it's because of real life or because of a story. <laughs> All right, let's get into the pod bag. Let's do it. I'm gonna try drinking another. You've got mail. All right, we're gonna wrap up the show. I can officially say as we always do now, right? Because we're, you know, more than two episodes in. Uh, sure. Questions from the audience. <laughs> Some uh, of you, it is real. Yeah. If you'd like <laughs> to send a question, uh, please do. Uh, podbag at nerdingundertheinfluence.com. Our first question for today uh, comes in from totally not Telson 69 Smoot. <laughs> Uh, does pineapple belong on a pizza? I, I mean, pizza is a totally manufactured food, so I would say that pretty much anything belongs on a pizza. Like everything that we as North Americans consider as pizza is not traditional pizza, so, so why not? Um, my my new hire, Paul. Uh, we actually had pizza today for lunch, and. He's doing the really nice thing and being a good husband slash boyfriend. Um, there, uh, his, his wife's a pescatarian and he wanted to take some home for her. And I, I called in the order for him and I'm looking at it. And it was one of the few times I was almost offended looking at a pizza. And I don't know why. Like individually, all the ingredients are totally fine. Uh, Bourbon Street Pizza in Belleville have a, you know, any in the area, great pizza. Uh, My God, they they're a, still open? Oh, yeah. They, they're, dude, they're just always so busy. Like, it's one of the few places you can get, like, authentic-ish pizza in in the city anymore. Anyway, like, Monday to Wednesday, they have, a like, a carryout special, three-topping large pizza. It's, like, uh, 12 bucks. Oh, like wow, it's it's really reasonable and, and like good. And it's not like, you know, those typical carry out specials where you need a microscope to find the cheese. Like it's, it's, it's you get pizza? great value out of what it is, but it was shrimp, caramelized onions and pineapple. Now I need to, you know, preface this by saying my pizza had pineapple on it too. And I, I'm a big fan of pineapple on a pizza, but this combination 
Like the face that I made drinking this 17 year old cider that I shouldn't be <laughs> drinking. That's the face I made when I, I read his message in Slack to put in the order. Yeah. Shrimp on a pizza. I think, you know what? I, I think that I object more to shrimp on pizza than I do by pineapple by all means. I also really enjoy pineapple on pizza, but I do find that it needs to be balanced by something either spicy or salty. Um, yeah. And here's, here's where the, the actual um, contentious in pizza ingredient comes. Uh, I resisted for, I mean, I'm 49 this year for a, a solid 30 years i resisted the idea of anchovies on pizza but i can now say that if you can find a place that will give you anchovies to put on pizza do it because anchovies and pineapple and hot sausage are an amazing pizza i mean anchovies don't really taste like much they're basically just oily salt but they 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 counterbalance everything else on a pizza nearly perfectly mm-hmm so here's a question for for everybody else, the audience, not you. Do you like Caesar salad? Do you like Caesar salad <laughs> dressing? Have you ever gone to a restaurant and had a really, really good Caesar salad where you're just like, oh, man, like this is so much better than store-bought shit? It's because of the anchovies. Anchovies. The dressing's made out of anchovy oil. It's really, really good. It is. I don't normally get anchovies. Um, certainly, Tanya wouldn't eat them, but um, I do hey, get you pineapple. Can, you can almost never get anchovies on a pizza. You have yeah. to order them on the side. You know, and it's not like I don't have any any qualms about eating them. Like I'm I'm one of those dudes. So like, you know what? I'll get a can of sardines, like just the cheap dollar store shit, and just like right out of the can, like I, I barely shake any of the oil or whatever it's in off, and just you know. I'm weird. But here's the thing about pineapple on pizza. Do you want pizza to be a lunch and dinner food? Or do you want pizza to be lunch, dinner, breakfast, and snack food? Because pineapple on pizza is underrated. Leftover pizza the next day for breakfast with pineapple on it in the morning is the best thing you'll ever eat. You don't even need to warm it up. Have oh, it please cold. don't. Specifically some of the, have it cold. Some of the best pizzas I've ever eaten in my life, and this is going back to, you know, I didn't do a lot of partying as a kid, but I went through a few years, uh, you know, my buddy Matt and I, like young teenagers, where we, we did a little bit of heavy partying. And the pizza the next morning that's like laying on the carpet that you have to like flick cigarette butts <laughs> off of. And you just kind of crawl over to it after a bender. And oh. Pineapple fixes that entire situation. And it's because of that that you need to have it on your pizza. Oh, my God. Where you look at the pizza and go, is this pizza or is this barf? Okay, that's barf. That's pizza. (laughs) Let me just scooch the pizza over a little bit. We'll pretend that they weren't touching. (laughs) Flick the cigarette butts off or whatever. Or whatever. Oh, my God. We're going way back, man. Oh, yeah. I remember in my very, very far youth, this is a story that I tell, I've told a few times, and it's the reason I think that I'm immune to most things that make stomachs upset. I was was having some financial issues. Um, My rent was always late. 
I made spaghetti sauce one day and uh, I was halfway through making, because I mean, the spaghetti and spaghetti sauce is cheap, or at least it was at the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'm, I got halfway through making the spaghetti sauce and somebody called and said, hey man, we're going out. Do you want to come? And I'm like, all right. So I put the lid on the spaghetti, thinking I'm going to be gone for like a couple hours. Mm-hmm. I put the lid on the spaghetti sauce and turned off the burner. Um, and I went out and I came back probably two days later. I don't know. It was a while. Anyway, I took the lid off the spaghetti sauce and there was, you know how you get like when you leave something out for too long and it gets kind of a skim of mold on the top. Mm-hmm. Well, this didn't just have mold. This had like stalks with poof balls on the end of them. Like there was a thriving civilization on the top of this spaghetti sauce. And I looked at that and I thought, that is all the food I have left for this week. Like if I don't eat this, I'm, I'm literally going to be hungry for the next five days. So I took a, a spoon and I very carefully skimmed the top inch off the spaghetti sauce and threw it out, heated up the rest, and ate it. Yeah. I've been there. Not that exact thing, but I've I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, right. <laughs> I'd, I'd look at it and go, like, that's no, I'm throwing that out. That's probably going to kill me. Yeah. Uh, another one from Ian. Uh more serious question computational power has increased at such a fast rate since the apollo missions to the point where a modern iphone why does it need to be an iphone ian because i is better that where a modern iphone is millions of more times powerful than the hardware used by the apollo space missions combined with this ever-changing increasing in computational power what advances are you most excited for in the coming decades? How do you think humanity will harness this power? It's a hard question to answer without a crystal ball, but I'm curious what your hopes and dreams are for the future in this arena. Well, okay. So first of all, I have to nerd out a little bit about the computers that they used for the Apollo space mission. There was, I watched, I think it might have been Mark Rober uh, mm-hmm. that I watched. It was either that or it was uh, Destin from Smarter Every Day, mm-hmm. uh, where they did a tour of the uh, the space. And they talked to the guy who actually built one of the computery module things that controlled one of the, the space missions. And it was kind of neat because it's like, here's this chunk and it's a chunk. It looks like the Borg. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like it's it's literally hand soldered and stacked together, and this is the computer. Mm-hmm. It is also the program. It's you plug this in, and it makes the rocket do the thing. The the and I'm like the program that is literally woven, like it's closer to something you would crochet or knit. Yeah, than like something just, you think of as programming nowadays. Oh, it's just insane! Like the amount of complexity and the the, the knowledge, like the the um. The, the summits that you have to surmount in order to make this thing work. It's just, it's like, you just look at it and, and it's like, I'm in awe of the people who were able to do that. I mean, I can, you know, 10 print hello world, 20 go to 10. Woo. I'm a programmer. You know, these people were, were like, like pioneers. They were literally pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I have I have a couple of things. I have to say the pessimistic thing first. I have a feeling that a whole bunch of people will become unemployed uh, by the the advances in you know AI, computing, programming, power, and all of that kind of stuff. And the rich people will get richer. Mm-hmm. However, on the other hand, I have I have a hope that we will see something like like the society that we see in star trek where like no one has to do anything everyone is free to pursue their passions that that's that's my dream is that you know like there's there's enough that we just we don't have to struggle for for things anymore that's that's my dream you know that are are real you know virtual reality boobies Yes. Virtual reality with a splash zone. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally go to a virtual reality water park. So I'm going to get dark for a moment, but dark so that you can see the light because I'm hopeful. My great grandfather passed away. I'm just looking at my dad's line because my mom's line's even darker. But my great-grandfather passed away at 75. My grandfather passed away at 76. My great-uncle passed away at 74. My dad passed away at 75. Some of them, most of them were healthier than me to, to, to look at me, you know, physically. So if nothing changed, like, I have no reason to believe that, you know, I will see 76. But the advances in medicine that are the direct result of increases in computational power, the ability to model things, like it wasn't that long ago that we didn't know what DNA was. Now, that wasn't a computational discovery. But like, I bet most of you still believe the things that we were all taught 10 years ago even. That, you know, oh, most of the human genome does nothing. It's, it's, it's garbage. And, you know, there's, there's these select genes that actually are responsible for everything that makes us us. And the reality is none of that's true or ever has been true. And only now are we really discovering that, oh, well, all of this, this other garbage DNA in our genome is actually responsible for enabling most of those genes to do their things or or responding like we're talking genetics versus epigenetics and stuff like that. And there's just no way to even wrap your head around that without like the advances in computational power and modeling that we've had. Um, You know, for all the talk of, of, you know, cancer being this, this, this big evil thing that, you know, Got to cure cancer. Well, cancer isn't one thing. Cancer is hundreds, thousands of of different diseases that we all sort of put under an umbrella of cancer. And like we're we're dropping some of those, like like you know, shitty quarter CR kobolds and 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 goblins mm-hmm. and stuff. We're we're slaying some of that stuff, you know, already stuff like immunotherapy and 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 whatnot but like all of that is a result of computational advances there is a reasonable chance now i want to do the riker thing and say you know what I, i'm going to live forever right 
I don't, I don't think that will happen in my lifetime, whether it's through, <laughs> you know, extending human life or, or, you know, uh, reaching out beyond the standard human condition and, and transcending into something else, you know, like you're not going to, I'm not going to be a brain and a bottle attached to a computer. Like that's, that's not in my future. Maybe that's in the future someday. I mean, but, you could freeze your head, but there is a chance that I'll see 76. And it's because of advances in computational technology and the, the, what it allows our brightest and best to do, uh, whether that is, is modeling the, the, the fundamentals of, of physics and, and space and, and creation, whether that is understanding how the coronavirus works, you know? Mm-hmm. And if we're doing that today, and, you know, even if Moore's law holds for another decade, what are we going to be doing in 2033? What's the outlook going to be? So there's your hope, Ian. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know, you know, when we're going to cure cancer, or when we're going to, you know, all become immortal vampires. Uh, will Judgment Day happen before then? Eh. Maybe. Maybe. But yeah. I am, I am never optimistic. And this is one thing I'm optimistic about. I wonder, I wonder if we just need like more memory registers to unpack the algorithm that is the compression scheme for our DNA. I wonder if it has a compression scheme and that's just something that nobody's ever thought about. It's like, it's a zip file guys. It's a zip file. (laughs) It's some, some like archaic. It's, it's not like a, it's not just a zip file. It's a zip drive, right? Like this. Fucking, oh my God. I Omega had the answers 20 years ago and we just, we missed it. It's all uh, right there. The secret to life. Oh, uh, the idea that somebody started a company to double down on the idea of a floppy disk. <laughs> Dude, there were so many of them too. Like it wasn't oh, just I the know. zip drives. Like there's about three different formats there. I don't know. Do you ever run into like LS one twenties and stuff like stuff that like, Oh, this doesn't uh, just look like a floppy disk. It looks exactly like a floppy disk. Not, not so much. I've heard the name before. I did have an I Omega. Is it an I Omega? I can't remember. I, I remember thinking like, this is awesome. I have like, you know, 10 megabytes of, of external storage that I can put on discs that only cost $120 each. Nobody else at the LAN party had one, so you still had to transfer files over the slow 5 megabit network. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you remember ThinNet and ThickNet? Yeah. Vampire Taps. I mean, it sounded super cool, but it wasn't. Oh man. Uh, well, I think that that's a good spot to, to end this show. Uh, yeah. we're, we're this close to getting silly. Yeah. Well, just this far over getting silly. <laughs> it's been good talking to you, man. Yeah. It's been Can't a good wait day. to been... do it again in approximately a week or so. something like that. 